0: Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts Couch to 80k writing boot camp. This is the week three reflections episode. So if you're you're listening through to the course, you don't have to listen to this episode. This is more just a way of me catching up on some of the stuff I haven't had time to discuss in the individual episodes. Because if you've got this far, or even if you haven't, by the way, there's no real spoilers for the course. Like uh, it's a writing course, not a murder mystery. Or is it? But um, you can listen to this episode if you haven't been listening to other ones. This is just a place where I'm going to talk about general concepts that have come up in the course. But do feel free if you're if you're working through the course, you don't have to listen to this at all. There's not going to be an exercise today. This is just me uh, reviewing some of the stuff we've talked through, pulling some of my ideas together, because this has been um, this is a really interesting journey for me as well. As soon as I call it a journey, it doesn't sound interesting. It sounds wanky. I'm sorry. I won't use that term again. But it's been really useful for me to be doing these podcasts daily and think about my own writing practice. I've been doing a lot of the exercises. I've been working on my own writing. And so a lot of stuff has come up. I've been thinking about a lot of the subjects we've been talking about. I've been getting feedback from people who've already started the course. And I want to expand on some of the ideas. And in the individual episodes, I go on a little bit, you know, because I want to give you ideas about it. I want to get your mind working. I want to not just have abstract principles but show how they connect to specific things that you're working through so you can start putting some of these joining some of these dots your, yourself but because of that there's sometimes stuff that I really want to talk about or that I think of afterwards after I finish recording that, that I don't have time to fit into the episode because if I did each one would be an hour long I'd have no time to live my life because I'd be recording an hour of audio every day and you would have to sit through me sort of explicating all of that before you could sit down and do the exercise. So to honor your time, I've sort of I've sort of trimmed all of all of that off and some of it I'm going to talk about today. And and like the first one if you listen to that it's going to be similar. I'm not really going to edit it because I, I can't be asked. It's not that kind of show and also because uh I you know this just here be dragons basically. As I said the first time, I'm I'm going to be just talking generally on the subjects and, and trying to get the, to the bottom of what I think about them. Hopefully it'll be useful uh, to you as a writer and it may sort of stimulate some thoughts. And of course, you're going to be processing a lot of the stuff you've gone through. So I'd love you, you to listen. I hope it's going to be interesting to you, but you you don't have to listen to this. I'm not going to be uh, referring to stuff in this in future episodes. And you're not going to be you're not going to lose out if you don't. So um, by all means... Don't. Um, so uh, it was one of the first things I wanted to talk about, and it's been really useful to hear the feedback from people who have started the course. But of course, this is something that it's going to, you know, I want to put online as a resource and hopefully different people at different times are going to be going through it uh, when they feel ready to start. And that's really exciting. But it is really useful to start getting the first sort of drips of feedback from people who've uh, started on the course um, to just see how they're getting on and what they're going through uh, and the things that have come up for them. And, and one of the things i want to talk about because i think it's pertinent to this stage in the course now having done the first three weeks so we did lists to start off with as a way of um a kind of like low intensity uh creative exercise where you can generate ideas uh where you can just sort of have fun where you can tell your writing brain as well there's no way this is going to appear in a in, in a final novel right you don't write lists in a novel although of course you can that's a really interesting format to shove into the middle of a novel like a a list from a character or whatever it's great right but anyway it's just a way of starting to generate ideas and it's fairly unintimidating and then we moved into free writes which is much more much more of a roller coaster right for any of you who've done it it's like it's quite it it can feel very weird at first some people take to it like uh ducks to water but some people find it very challenging and some people find it easy on one day and difficult on another but it you know you are switching off that creative that critical voice in your head and um, that's hard because well, you can't switch it off right you're actually not switching off you're just not acting on its suggestions and uh, and then we've moved into use and, and building on both of those things we now moved into uh channeling voices you know getting a character to dictate the content of essentially a free write the same thing where we try not to edit in in these and we just try to get stuff out and and next week we're moving into elements of style which is again is developing you know i think flows naturally out of those things uh but you know it might be much more third person voices but it's like the shade between a voice that's explicitly a person, you know, that's explicitly this character with this biography and, and just a kind of narrative voice, a kind of tone, which you, you get in uh, genre, you get in, you know, the difference between like literary and commercial fiction. And none of these are hard and fast categories. You know, they all bleed into one another. But, you know, we're now moving into, you know, the difference between humour and seriousness. All of that involves word choices and, and this nebulous concept of tone as well you know i think tone is uh, not very well discussed and not very well understood uh by people who write and by people who write for tv and all um, and film it, it, this idea of tone i think we all when i'm saying it now you get an intuitive sense of what tone is but i'm talking about sort of the difference in tone between say something like buffy the vampire slayer and uh a sort of grittily realistic war movie or something like that do you know what i mean the the difference between sort of because in in buffy for example i know my like <laughs> references are 20 years old and, uh, and and now slightly fallen out of cultural favor as well uh, but you know it, it, in buffy people die all the time and you're not supposed to be horrified or scared by it. Well, or another example is something like Poirot, right? Any kind of like cozy murder mystery. People die and you're not, you don't, you see the body and you're not supposed to like have your, you don't feel like you've had your guts ripped out. You're not like, oh my God, and like shaken by it and think, uh, well, you know, you're not supposed to be, right? It's supposed to be like, oh, oh dear, he's been bumped off. You know, that's the tone, right? That's the tone of the piece. And if we were forced to, engage with the reality of a human being being killed and the shock waves that roll out from that and the grief that haunts people for the rest of their lives and the way it affects all their interactions with other people we we wouldn't be able to enjoy that program on the level that we're supposed to Uh, you know a a Buffy kind of turned that on its head with its episode where Buffy's mum dies and it just plays it for the first time in the entire series it plays it like a real death and part of the show's in you know it's kind of like a lot of it's played out in real time and and it's horrendous and it's really 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 upsetting Uh, and it it's jarring and it's this sudden tonal shift that makes you go oh death is horrible and then it doesn't really pay on then it just goes back to being silly and, and cartoonish and and because really that dismantles the entire premise of the series right it just goes this is horrendous <laughs> this is horrendous is it okay to do? and it is you know you of course you can you can shift in different directions and uh, and that's fine but it's interesting how those tonal shifts can affect a piece and so that's what essentially next week I'd like us to to go into and start exploring um it's taking this idea of voice and how voice permeates the the basic ideology of your piece right uh the choice between omnipotent narrator uh, omnipotent i keep fucking saying that omniscient narrator and sort of third person limited and first person limited makes a huge difference to the tone, like the themes and ideology of your piece. Like any omniscient narrator, omniscient narrators are, you know, you often find them in satirical pieces or big uh, mythical pieces because they have this completely unhuman view of human life, right? They know the future, they know the past, they know what everyone's thinking, they know what everyone will think. And so they often, it's often very difficult. They often appear in tragedies as well, or tragedies as they're normal, how do you pronounce Tragedy tragedy anyway it doesn't matter they often appear in tragedies right because they they see the great sweep of human uh human endeavor and folly and they and, and but it's much less a- empathetic because it's very difficult for an a, 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 a omniscient narrator to really understand and appreciate and empathize with a single fallible human being having to make decisions without knowing the future or the being com- in completely con- cognizant of the past or just like experiencing emotions right so you get these scenes where it's kind of where it's often mocking or it's often a bit cold i'm not a big fan of the omniscient narrator i think that um it can be used really really well like and I, i can think of loads of novels i like that have omniscient narrators but it's for me it's not a mode i particularly enjoy using because To be honest, it often comes off as a bit smug and condescending. And it's kind of... And it's like, ah, the mere mortals, these foolish humans. When will they learn? And I just... I always end up thinking as a reader, uh, fuck you, mate. I'm... You're a human. This was written by a human. It's like whenever you read a story that has, like, aliens coming down and speaking about the the folly of humankind. When will they stop destroying each other? When will human beings learn? And you're just like, fuck you, this was written by humans. Who we... who are you how how dare you it's so annoying and it's so it it really to me it just lacks empathy it's just like like you're the you're part of the problem if you don't just go if you if you can't experience and feel love, you're part of the problem. You can't just like shake your head and go, "Ah, such folly." Perhaps they deserve to be consumed by fire. Fuck you! no, that's no. You're the one without compassion. How Can you be such an asshole? Uh, you can't just make up an alien race and then pretend that they're superior. It's written by a person and bought by a person, and this whole story was created by human cooperation. Anyway, I digress. I want it like so but this week so what you may have started experiencing as we go through these different exercises you will have found them uh varying shades of easy or hard and at some stage you will hit one that doesn't go so well for you you may uh, you know I hope overall that the course is starting to boost your confidence you're starting to produce stuff that you didn't even know was there at the beginning of the 10 minutes and it just comes out and you're starting to see how a trust in process just uh, the very basic most mercenary level creates content right if you just trust in the process you're gonna get some raw clay that you can start working later it's you, you doing it, trusting in the process and just going ah fuck it produces more writing than not trusting in the process and deciding not to write in case you mess up right that is and, and that's something that maybe we understand intellectually but it's actually some for some people quite like an emotional battle to sit down and actually get through it but at the same time you're going to just write stuff and you're going to think i can't do this and 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 just the law of averages says at some stage you're going to say i can't do this i'm not sure what i'm going to do and then you get through it and you were quite right and it's shit and you have to make a decision what you what you do with that so in terms of failure because we've now we're moving from free rights into actual exercises that have um like a specific uh goal to them and maybe ask a bit more of you artistically there's more chance of risk right because a free write just says yeah you can do whatever the fuck you like it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you just write no 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 don't know don't know don't know i'm blocked all the way through a free write that has fulfilled the criteria that you're asked to fulfill at the beginning that's a free write you transcribed your mind you've done brilliantly if you do that with some of the later exercises that is um you haven't you haven't produced what the exercise was asking for, and so there's more risk. And so I wonder whether you've started to feel that as you work through. So what I want to say about failure is, and I talked about this in in the previous episode, but I was just, you know, I, I had a few more things I wanted to say, but I didn't want to fill up the episode with them. Um, failure is is mulch for your garden, right? The more you can fail in these exercises, the more you can let yourself do it and, and, and and fuck up and, and, and write badly and write things that don't fit with what you were trying to do, um, the better. And that sounds uh, like sophistry to you. I know you're thinking that isn't true, Tim. You can't go to a publisher and say, Hey, I got all this, all this failure and this bad writing I'd like to sell to you. Can you give me some money? Um, I understand that, but I, I think learning to fail within the context of this course and accepting it is a really 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 valuable skill in fact I would say it's essential to you being able to write what you want in the fullness of time because if you're anything like me you just if you if you run this constant evaluation mode in your head as you write trying to say is this working is this going in the direction I want uh, is this uh, writing good is it does it fit with the tone of the story does it fit with the tone of this paragraph does it fit with the my vision for this chapter does it fit with my vision for this character is it consistent with the character does this work with where I want the book to go that is a lot of that that is a lot of processing power that you are giving over to this constant evaluation and assessment and if you do that if you if you cannot switch that off at all you're you're constantly distracting yourself from the act of your own writing you are sabotaging the creative process and and i think when you look at it like that it should be obvious right that that makes it harder because you've constantly got this backseat driver in your head going oh are you sure sharp intake of breath through gritted teeth you know that is not helpful and and of course all those things sound super reasonable does this fit with my idea for the paragraph does this fit with the direction and tone of the chapter Seems like a reasonable question, but there is a time and a place for these questions. And when you are producing a first draft, that is not it. So you'd often... an Oh, look often you don't and because you, and it is a self-fulfilling prophecy right because you start to do that and you distract yourself and so you can't produce quite as good quality work and so it starts to go south you're not sure you don't take as big a risk you become very conservative and risk averse because you don't want to displease that voice you don't and, and the quickest way to not displease that voice right the most efficient way to do it is to not write just to stop and then it and then it doesn't have anything to say except, oh, you should do a bit more writing, perhaps. But like you cannot, the best way to please it so you, you is you stop and then it starts complaining that you're not writing, so you distract yourself. You go and play a video game, you go online, you go out, you see some friends, you make a cup of tea, whatever, and you distract yourself from that voice. And 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 that's the quickest way to deal with it. So what we're wor- working on over these three weeks is is an is an alternate. Strategy that is a suboptimal strategy. Strategy uh, procrastinating, but you have to understand it's not because you're inherently lazy. It's because you've come up with like actually quite an ingenious solution to this constant barrage of criticism that you can't ever. You lack the capacity to, to 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 satisfy and say so you, you that's a reasonable you're not it's not because you're inherently lazy it's not because you're feckless it's not because you're stupid and it's not because you're untalented that you sometimes procrastinate you have come up with a a whole you know a holding pattern a strategy to deal with that voice and what i want you to do look is like, and the other thing is you often not only should you not criticize in the first draft that voice isn't very helpful but you you often don't know what's good or not until later i mean if you are trying to assess it in, in in the broader context of the novel or the chapter that hasn't been written yet so the idea that you're going to start like making those repairs to the plane while it's in the air you don't have the context for, for it so the the self the, the self-critical voice that inner critic is making assessments based on an entirely imaginary and hypothetical novel and this is the point where with that self-critic you actually need to run a critic on the critic uh, because we don't do that, right? You go, well, you have this critic inside you that goes, I don't think I'm very good at writing. I don't think this is very good. I'm not sure that I've got any talent. I'm not sure that I'm capable of doing this. But you accept that your critical uh, capacities, right, the, uh, the your analytical and self-critical abilities, that voice is... That is ex cathedra truth, right? That When you hear that voice, you like go, well, but I, I might be shit at writing, but my assessment of my own writing is flawless constantly. And I'm asking you to apply that same scepticism that you're constantly applying to your work to the claims of the self-critic in your head, right? Which is, I, I, I admit, is quite demanding. That's quite an intense kind of metacognitive leap to be able to loop back on yourself like that because you've got multiple layers then. I'm, I'm saying now that we've got you've got your, you writing and then we've got you criticising your own writing as you write. And now I'm saying now I need you to add a second uh, tier of metacognition where you start criticising the critis- criticism of your writing. And so the easiest thing... For now, when you're producing work, when you're writing that beginning bit is just to sweep away all those layers and go, I'm just going to write. And then in a critic, you're so valuable and helpful to me. I'm going to bring you in as in a consultant role, but I'm not going to be writing when I bring you in. So you are going to have the entirety of my brain's processing power in order to really go to town on this writing and that by the way is one of the reasons why it is much easier for you to spot spot flaws and problems in someone else's piece of writing than it is in your own because you have got the full extent of your brain power is turned towards it because you're not trying to write it and you're not emotionally invested in it as well of course so look and the other thing is like while you're writing if you have that voice criticizing this is not a neutral uh, piece of work right this is something that you have given up time to do you may have like dreams or aspirations that are connected to this piece of writing and so frustration and difficulties start to arise right you have problems it, it creates frustration and then that will bring up all this other stuff for you your own issues and insecurities which are just part of being alive it doesn't make you a bad person for having them it's that's completely reasonable because then that can become a whole other level of self-criticism right is criticism that you are feeling vulnerable or you sometimes feel sad it's like oh don't have an artistic temperament don't be so self-indulgent fuck off be nice to yourself of course you're gonna feel bad of course you want your writing to be good you want readers to enjoy it right it's but then so That's the problem is I wonder I hope for none of you this has happened, but it's possible it's happened to you, uh, that you do a writing exercise, especially if a few have gone good on the trot actually, and you start to feel frustrated and then you start to feel stressed. You start to feel guilty, you go, why can't I do this? Because maybe previously, the previous day, you started to think, oh I've cracked this, this is going well unpleasantly surprised because you had a standard of i'm shit i don't know anything so as soon as it starts going well for you you're pleasantly surprised oh and then you start going maybe i'm maybe i'm all right at writing and then you have hit a difficulty and if you're not careful uh, just a simple 10 minute writing exercise becomes this whole pivotal test of your character which sounds funny right it sounds ridiculous and funny uh, in the abstract uh, uh, but the experience of it is not and i, I you know i know this from my own and however difficult you found writing, you know, I- I'm there with you. I've really, really struggled with it, and I made it. I made it a referendum on my right to exist as a human being, on my worth, self worth, and my uh, on, on the point of me being on this earth. I it was was storytelling for me, and it, and it meant every time I f- fucked up, my whole identity cracked, and I felt I felt like I was I felt like I was coming apart. It was horrible. Uh, you and you might really enjoy writing and not have that experience and that it's not something that's necessary um, for you to be a writer and I want to say that it's really really important for me to hammer this home If you're thinking oh my god I just like just quite like breezing through writing and it feels like a fun hobby to me maybe I'm not a true writer because I'm not one of these flouncing assholes who go why do I write well for me writing is like breathing I can't go through a day without if I go through an hour without writing i start to become very upset very irritable i uh, i punch my partner in the face if they tried to speak to me i uh, i just know i need the the voice to flow through me you know you don't have to i know you know that's unfair as well because for some people it is a really important therapy to them but uh, if you enjoy writing and you don't take yourself too seriously it doesn't mean you're not a serious writer it doesn't mean you won't produce good stories that other people can really enjoy and get a real bang out of it just means that you've got a healthy psyche and i want to say like keep that and cherish that because that'll be one of the most valuable things that you can have in your writing career so like for example like that anti-muse uh demon summoning exercise we did a couple of days ago some people find it really funny when i've done it with them right some people do that and it kind of like brings out this kind of like absurd little pipsqueak character who's going your shit at writing your shit at writing and and just like by plucking it out there and kind of like exposing it uh to sunlight um it that's it's amusing and it's kind of refreshing and they get to see that voice is a bit silly a few people find it really hard though some people can't do the exercise at all uh, they really just disengage with it and, and and you know like to the point of making them cry if they when they read back what they've written down because sometimes that voice comes from that self-critic in your head can come from bad times in your life and it's the voice you get whenever you try to do anything in your life of worth or that's difficult uh, or sometimes it's the voice that comes out when you feel low and sometimes it's the voice of somebody who didn't treat you very nicely in your life sometimes it kind of melds with one or two characters in your life and um they weren't very nice and and that's hard and i, I you know i don't want to <laughs> you found that difficult i the aim isn't to i'm not trying to like create a, a you know a therapy course for you here i'm not trained in that and i'm not able to give you that but writing you know writing about your feelings and writing about some of these things can bring some of those things up and i want to say like really do look after yourself when you're doing this course i'm not suggesting that there should be some huge spiritual transformation within you but sitting down to do something that you care about and actually doing that kindness to yourself it can be subtly transformative certainly the last few weeks i tell you what allowing myself to sit down and do this and speak to you guys and also to do some writing myself without beating myself up about it just allowing myself to fart about i haven't felt this happy and relaxed in a long 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 fucking time it's been really nice it's been really 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 nice and i you know you you might feel that You might, and in fact, I suspect at some stage during the course, especially if you have a point where you have to stop for a few days or a week or whatever, you might feel a real sense of, oh my God, like people will, like I said, right at the beginning, if you remember, I said, you're going to hit a wall at some stage where you just go, shit, and um, that's going to be hard. And I would expect that as well as a kind of like... If this course is going to give you anything, right? If you're genuinely going to get to the end of the eight weeks and have learned something that you didn't know at the beginning, if it's genuinely going to have empowered you, there will be at least one really tricky bit where you have to let go of some stuff um, and to make room for new stuff to grow. And so be, be ready for that. I don't want to kind of like... I don't want to overplay the... (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to overplay the emotional content of it because you might just you know it's just it, it's challenging on just an intellectual level as well but you know be nice to yourself and be forgiving to yourself if you go through that because if you're anything like me writing well just like any job has an emotional component right you want to be good at what you do you want to be good at the things you sit down to do and writing a novel is one of the most complex tasks a human being can set themselves really it's just f- and it's, and you're doing it all alone and that is fucking brutally difficult and to do it well right i mean anyone can like toss out uh, sixty-five thousand words of complete dog shit but like if you want to make it reasonably good oof, that's hard well done you it's a real it's and i think it's a real compliment to you that you're even giving any of this a go right and so, like we did, we've we've kind of like moved through voice this week, haven't we? And uh, mainly, this idea of voices in first person narration shades into next week, which is going to be elements of style. Or, I mean, uh, like I said before, all novels have a voice, whether it's first person, third person, or even second person. I'm reading. Um, it's just actually, it's just here on my desk. I'm reading the fifth season by um, uh, NK uh, Jemisin uh, at the moment, and it's the thing is, I'd heard for a while that it was good, and. Yeah just whenever anything's like popular and lots of people are reading it you know it's like tv I, I get a bit i sort of drag my heels about like reading it myself i don't know whether it's just because i want to be liking different things because i don't know whether it's because i'm a pretentious hipster it probably is a little bit um always just feels like a pressure right like everyone who doesn't like lord of the rings it is so oppressive to them to have people constantly talking about how good like oh i really like the movie if you just watch that movie and you think it's all right it's actually quite it could be quite culturally isolating to, to to sort of not like things not dig stuff that other people like and so i suppose the danger i thought was what if i sit down and i read this and i think it's absolute shit and everyone else is going oh my god this is wonderful how am I, what do i do with myself then i just lie about it for the rest of time it's like how i feel when i read um novels by friends by people i know i'm i almost weep with gratitude I, I i clutch their lapels and say thank you thank you if i read it and it's good because i just like otherwise i would have never been able to see you again or every time i saw you i would be i would be wearing this mask of politeness and thinking, don't ask me about the book because, and I'm just so grateful when it's good because I can just look in them in the eyes and go, I thought your book was fucking wicked, man. I thought it was so good, and I don't, and I mean it. I just, I just feel so happy. I'm just like, I look, I loved your book. It was great. Thank you for not making me have to avoid you for the rest of time just so I don't have the awkwardness of admitting that I didn't finish it because I thought it was a bit clumsy. Um. Anyway, I'm I'm reading this book and um it's it's partly in the third person, but it's got it but it's got whole bits in second person and they're really really good. I'm just flicking to a random page. Um, don't think there'll be any uh, spoilers in this. So it's like uh the, the second person narration is like kind of like you try not to start shaking. You do clench your fists in an effort to prevent this, and the earth far below you feels momentarily closer, the air immediately around you cooler, before you contain your desperation and joy and horror and fury. I didn't know she was alive, is all you say, after what feels like a very long moment. And it's great it's a it's a i mean i i'm having to take it slowly because it's like quite emotionally brutal as well but the, the second person narration is fantastic and there is an implied voice in that second person narration uh and some knowledge about the future really nice uh move in the second person narration in that book where um there'll be little parenthetical remarks uh that sometimes negate something so uh it's you know kind of for example it will be the kind of thing like um you think that later you 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 worry whether you so be something like you wonder whether anyone else has survived open brackets they haven't close brackets something like that you know where it did this this parenthetical statement by the is the equivalent of the uh of the of the narrator of the narrator sort of like someone going gosh we better get out here al- alive and then the narrator kind of like in the voiceover going but they didn't or something like that you know it, it's much better than my description of it but I really really like it and I would recommend it as a good example of a judicious use of the second person um but all novels have this voice and your narration might be generic and spare and unobtrusive. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things of like having a really stripped back narrative that just tries to be this kind of like clean, this clear pane of glass was uh, I think I'm paraphrasing uh, George Orwell as kind of what he thought was really good prose style. But but those are still choices. That's still a decision that you're making. You can't not have a voice in your novel. Uh, you're always making uh choices in register and tone uh, and ideology that, that, that create a voice. But I think it's worth experimenting with different registers and viewpoints. Even if you're going to go for a fairly objective third person, limited, honest narrator, um, you need to make sure that's a conscious choice in, in your book, you know, and I, I'm i not poo-pooing it at all. I realise for some of you who just want to write in that kind of third person voice, this week of kind of like, here's an angry here's an angry demon kind of like voices that we've been doing the this idea of of, of of the these first person narrators who've got a really strong opinion of everything around them and are really you know opining on everything that they see and and maybe lie or maybe have to kind of provide this running commentary or exegesis on the world around them it, you know you make oh that feels too much for my story how is this relevant to me and all i'm saying is we are finding out I want you to expand your sense of what you're allowed to do as a writer doesn't mean you have to write an experimental novel with 12 different voices that's constantly shifting and experimenting with layout on the page you don't have to do that but I want you to understand the spaciousness of the environment you're in because I think otherwise as a writer if you don't kind of swing your arms about a bit you never know how far you can move you never get a sense of what choice you're making by all means kind of have that sort of pseudo objective third person voice but understand where it sits within this space understand the world that surrounds it and 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 make sure it's something i just want to empower you to make that a decision not just like a road you wandered down because you didn't know there were other options um and once you've found a voice you like, uh, that can sometimes be a real dream. I think, like, especially when you're kind of speaking to these characters and cultivating a tone. And it could be a third-person tone as well that's not associated with any particular character. But once you start uh, working on these and getting past that crucial 30K mark, um, that, that can, it can just sometimes unlock all this writing that comes fairly easy because the point of view becomes familiar and you know what that person thinks. And like I say, they become kind of like a, a simulation in your mind. Your, your brain gets enough information that they can now, you can now simulate them. And then they can just, I know it sounds weird and again, very precious, but they just kind of do some of the writing for you. Certainly you've automated a bunch of processes so it feels very easy to produce stuff. Uh, like for example like me my writing um the death of a thousand cuts first page critiques i find that really straightforward i i, I did like i think there's about two hundred thousand words of blogs where i'm looking at different pe- people's first pages and I, f- I find it really easy to do now i find it really easy to write a script for because i know the tone i know the persona i'm adopting for it which is kind of me but obviously i don't make uh i'm not normally kind of quite so fruity with my criticisms. Um, and so I can just put that voice, that tone, in front of a stimulus, which is, you know, just someone's first page. And, and I just run it and it writes itself. It's really easy and unstressful for me to do. And that's because I've done it a lot and I don't have to really think about it anymore. It, I know when I have that, like, stimulus, um, which, you know, it, for a narrator in a story or just for a kind of like tone and a viewpoint of looking at the world could just be a plot idea. It could just be uh, a an environment. It could just be another character. Once you've got that, it's, it, I mean, it's really, really nice and it's very comfortable and you, and, and it's often experienced like that way for the reader as well, because it becomes familiar and they, there's an enjoyment in the familiar. So that is something that is one of the big benefits of doing this work and finding a tone and a voice and a point of view and a way of looking at the world that, um, you can write, you can get a little bit of, you can get some words under your belt with. And that starts to, when you start to hit that slightly more automatic phase, um, then you really get the benefits of it. And that's when you can start being more productive uh, that's when you really sort of take off on the other hand you know I've used the word when your writing becomes automatic for some of you that's going to ring alarm bells and you're quite right because these things can become restrictive if you rely on them too long some authors make whole careers out of cultivating this one voice this one tone and just repeating it and repeating it and repeating it and you can like you know you can make a career out of that there's no I don't want to say there's no problem with it, but there's no shame in it. And lots of authors just do that and become very, very successful. Like P.G. Woodhouse, right? I would suggest that the P.G. Woodhouse sort of tone and style is fairly consistent across all the books produced, right? Fairly consistent. And... P.G. Woodhouse is really, really famous and, and beloved by loads of readers who are glad that there's a bunch of short stories and books that they can work through where they know more or less every story they come to is going to be delivered to them in the same familiar tone. They like it. And it means and it's and it's interesting to see how that voice, when it's applied to different things and different scenarios and different areas, uh, it's it, it's fun to think, oh, how is, um you know, P.G. Woodhouse going to uh, tackle this particular society nitwit when you, it's exciting right because you know what but on the other hand um, that can become restrictive for you as an author as well you might feel a bit boxed in and it might feel a bit like you're doing the same old same old you know I, I, I you know Sherlock Holmes for example like you know, Arthur, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle famously got a bit bored of writing Sherlock Holmes and wanted to move on to other stuff and found that like a little bit of a trap. So, what I would say to you is, you know, like familiarity and automation, it's it's great and it's a real treat for you. And don't feel like you constantly have to reinvent the wheel. But on the other hand, you don't want to just become. You don't want to just end up writing fan fiction of yourself, right? That's I mean, I was terrified of that. Right, my second book, you know, it's the second one in the Honors series. The, the thing I was most scared of was like, is this a book that sort of anyone who read the first book could write? Because it just sort of, it just sort of repeats and trots on what already happened. You know, it takes the same tone and takes the same characters and we just go dum-da-dum-da-dum and I repeat the trick of it, right? And I think a load of people would have been really happy if I had written a book that just did that. It was just the continuing adventures of Delphine Venner and it just, and I don't want to say too much because I don't want to sort of talk about what the next book is about. Um, but it was really important for me that I didn't do that. Um, that may well upset a lot of people. Uh, you know, I don't, it may, I may, you know, I may come to regret that in time that I didn't just go for an easier choice. But it was important to me and I think it was much more fulfilling to do and I don't, I absolutely do not regret doing that because it's i think and i think that's important and it's fine to write book series where you have the same character and they go through similar adventures again and again and again and some of the most successful authors in the world did that i'm not trying to shame you out of doing that but i would suggest to you that it's fun and a kind thing to do for yourself to give yourself permission to mix things up and be lost again be pleasantly lost And this is the whole beginner's mind, uh, Suzuki, Roshi kind of nonsense. Not nonsense, but I I think it gets trotted out. It gets trotted out glibly uh, because it's much harder than just going, I'm going to have beginner's mind and just allow myself to be naive. That's a scary place to be if you're trying to cultivate a career. But I think at least on an exercise based level, let yourself write free writes. Let yourself write lists. Let yourself go, I don't know what I'm doing and understand as soon as you get as soon as you get yourself to a place of i don't know what i'm doing i don't i don't feel like i know where this story is going i don't know what's going that that feeling of like i don't know that not knowing that is that's the birthplace of possibility what when you say i don't know i don't know what happens next what you're saying is the possibilities are limitless and of course you have to filter it down then but what an exciting place to be what an exciting fertile place to be to be to not know fuck how boring would it be if every time you turn up for a novel you go well I know I know what my entire series is going to be and I know exactly what this character would do because I know them what a boring place to be and and you know like and it's scary as well and I'm not criticising anyone for it because I went through the entire novel that I wrote i just finished i was desperate for some more structure i was desperate to know what was going to happen i was desperate not to be in this liminal space of possibility and i just i just wanted to be able to bang out something for me and i couldn't and that's not because i'm uh, brilliant and uh in, it, i have huge integrity uh it, it was just because I, I but it was because i cared about the characters that's true that's true and so that's what i'm saying to you is like n- never let yourself get so pleased with your sense of uh of starting to really kind of like get this writing shit down that you close off possibility and you close off the chance for creative growth because those things are beautiful and turning around and admitting i don't know what i'm doing i'm having to learn writing all over again i think is one of the best signs that someone is a writer i hope you're enjoying yourself right i'm going to shut up now Um, thank you very much for listening to me Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast please share it around with people I I think if you're enjoying it then the chances are that other people you know who are either writers or might uh, quite enjoy learning how to be a writer um, might enjoy it as well Uh, it doesn't it doesn't cost anything there's no advertising on the uh, podcast so all the time into it and the costs of hosting it are borne by me so if you'd like to support me in any way um just please buy one of my books uh i've got a few books out there uh, uh we can't all be astronauts is my non-fiction book it's my memoir about wanting to be a writer and failing and what happens to failing failed writers and this idea of the you know getting published as the publishing dream and of course there's my novel novel the honors which is published by canongate and looks beautiful And is a story I'm really chuffed with. So if you'd like to get that either for yourself or maybe buy a few copies as gifts for friends. I, you know, every time you buy one, I get like a... Kicks back a couple of quid to me. That's really, really nice. And that's just, you know, like a little something in the tip jar. And you get a great book out of it where you can see how well I've applied some of these... um, principles and of course you'll find flaws in it as well which is great because it means you're cultivating your uh your writer's author's eye and um being able to uh, read something and enjoy it whilst recognizing things that you would do differently and things you could do better that's just love and that is just a commitment to craft um anyway uh i'm gonna let you go now uh remember everything that we're doing so far is it's all sort of building on previous re- weeks um hopefully uh, structure is going to start emerging for you in terms of uh, what we've done, and you're going to start seeing how it's building towards a novel. Um, I used to, I used to love these ideas of like rigor and rules and being tough, just sort of machismo, really. It was a really sort of, I don't want to, you know, go into toxic masculinity or anything, but I think, I think actually, I was always, this is the thing, is I kind of like when I was growing up, uh the sort of background uh, of like creative writing courses at the time that there'd been sort of like this big wave of writing as therapy and writing poetry as therapy courses and an emphasis on writing as a sort of means of self-growth and I think uh, that made me react against that uh, and I really was into like the rules of writing, the nuts and bolts of writing, the rigor of writing, the uh, sort of cold analysis of writing, and go. Don't tell me about. Uh, I need you to show your soul more in this piece. I was like, think about the reader. They're the one who's important, not you. And just tell me how this sent. Can you tell me mechanically how this sentence is working and what we need to cut? And 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 let's do some. Let's do some grammar crunching. And I think my heart was in the right place, but I think things like motivation and theme and more nebulous things like self care and uh, where writing takes you as a human being I think are important as well and I think now I have a bit more balance and um, I I'm sorry that I. it took me a while to understand that being a human being is more important than being a writer and of course and that the one-sided approach doesn't work and it makes your books shit and it makes you feel awful in any case i said i was going to finish now and i am uh take care and uh thank you for listening and i'll see you for our continuing course